Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I am Angela, and this week I have been joined by Will. Hello. Hi, Angela. How's it going? <laughs> going all right. It's been a whole week. An entire week, and here we are. Here we are Back again. again. Yeah. Different book, though. People will be glad to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not just going to do Kill Lock over and over again. No, it was very tempting, but ultimately <laughs> I decided against it. Fair, fair. Which is fair enough. Um, before we get on to the book, which we will get on to shortly, have you any news that you wish to catch us up on? Anything you've been doing of interest? I'm not sure I can honestly say it's of interest, uh, but I've still been in a very gamey mood. I think I said the same last week. Um, I've been playing a lot of Hades, which is very, very excellent. And Nintendo had their Direct that revealed quite a lot of good stuff, including a new Super Mario movie. Uh, ah, yes. Fronted by Chris Pratt, which I think is just, I mean, what a sideways move that was. There's uh, no Bob Hoskins, is it? I didn't, no, that's true. And where was John Leguizamo to recapture his role as Luigi, Luigi Mario? But actually, it kind of made me think, if it ends up being like Lego Movie with Mario, I'll probably yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. That'll probably be all right. Uh, so, yeah, can't yeah. say like I'm chomping at the bit for the Mario movie, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone was. I think that we have this IP and we must use it. Yeah. That's it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty decent cast. So let's see what happens going, uh, going with a little optimism, perhaps. We'll see. It is mostly, this is what gets me about these films, is it's all like, it's actors, it's celebrities. And I'm like, there's a whole voice acting community out there, guys. There's a bigger pool. Indeed. And, you know, sometimes act, it's a different ball game voice acting. And some actors can make the transition really well. And others, it doesn't sound great. Um, but Chris Pratt has, of course, done stuff before. So we shall see. I think that's it. He's got a bit of... Uh... Got a bit of previous, so <laughs> he's got a record. He's He'll got a record. Be all right, but yeah, no, I I think that could be uh, could be okay, and and yeah, a bunch of cool looking games announced. So I'm uh, pretty pumped for games. Are you any further along with Fortnite? Because you mentioned last time that you had done a Indeed, little bit of Fortnite. I've had a few more games. Um, I didn't want to kind of oversell my sort of adoration for the game. Like I think it's a, a pretty well built game, but it is what it is <laughs> and uh i think reality's hit a little bit um i've not continued to win every game that i've played but i feel like i'm competing so i think maybe the first five were just you know beginner's luck ease you and in gently that's it and then i've uh i've won a couple more since then but um i've also not <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that's that slid off a little bit but it's it's dropped down my kind of priority of plays at the moment so yeah hades has, has drifted to the top and i've been sinking quite a lot into that how far in are you on hades 
I've got I, well, I've got to the end, and I just I've I've died against the last boss. Um, I've only got there once, but it's one of those kind of rogue like games where you just start from the beginning again. So there's only sort of I think there are four or five sort of dungeons, each with a boss at the end, and they're randomly generated each time you go through them. So I've made it all the way through to the end once, and uh, I kind of didn't expect to clear it straight off the bat, but next time. Next time he'll or be waiting. Yeah, yeah or the one after that, or the one after that, or at some point in the future. Forevermore. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> one day. How have uh, how have you been doing, Angela? What have you got going on? Oh, things, things. Um, I've not been doing well. I've been trying to catch up with the backlog of reviews that I have to do for Bigger Than Capes. Those of you who read the website, I apologise. I've been busy. Um. I've been busy with a library that just seems to, <laughs> you wouldn't think that books were that complicated. And yet, um, it's not so much the books, it's the building they're housed in, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm hoping that'll calm down in the next, you know, decade. Yeah, <laughs> might be yeah, nice. That might be, be nice. nice. Ne- like next couple of weeks, hopefully. We shall see. Um, but yeah, I've not anything, you know, like, there's never anything interesting going on with me um at the, particularly at the moment um i've not really been watching anything that will interest anyone apart from me um possibly <laughs> they're, the, they're the real joys though so much time i spend sometimes watching tv because i think like other people all talk about this yeah and so so rarely do i sit down and watch something that i think nobody but me cares about this and that's fine yeah so i applaud that. you for it Thank you. I have been having a go at that and watching films that, again, nobody cares about but me. Um, But it makes me happy. So there we are. Um, We've got a bit of comic book news, which we will touch upon briefly, purely Mm. because it's not even indie comic book news to break its people, particularly. No, it's tangently related. Indie adjacent. Yes, it's indie adjacent. Um, IDW that indie publisher (laughs) they are an indie publisher um they have um been publishing for quite a while various younger age comics based on popular ips um one of which is star wars um star wars adventures that i've touched on briefly because i think we mentioned it with Zach in the Summer Reads podcast Mm -hmm. and you touched upon it briefly in the Licensed Properties podcast. Um, But yeah, IDW are no longer going to be able to publish Star Wars Adventures or the younger end of the Star Wars comics market, Um, which is a shame because they're good comics and IDW are a nice publisher, Um, but everything must be housed under the house of mouse i'm guessing (laughs) i think that's it i don't think they're necessarily going to stop they might be renamed and sort of regurgitated but i think one of the big mistakes that not not just marvel or disney specifically but the industry as a whole tends to make is making it really hard for new readers to get in yeah and i think these star wars and marvel adventures were really good because they were very simple one-off stories in general um or would tie closely with the films that the kids have already seen so they kind of they know yeah. that you know they know everything about it and i think marvel do have a tendency of just retitling books 
that is a continuation of a previous book but now has an entirely different name or of course spreading that story over six monthly books yeah or we Um, just relaunch a number one every six months yeah quite (laughs) and i think they might be at risk of doing that here where kids know that they like star wars adventures and when it comes out as something else you know they're not they're just they're not going to see that i don't think but i don't know maybe they carry on exactly as they are and they just wanted a piece of that pie but it's a real shame for idw um they still got turtles the best one they have they still uh, got turtles. they've still got my little pony and transformers as well and sonic and sonic yeah sonic's a big one for them i think so yeah i think they'll you know they'll cope but i'm sure that is a big a big part of their market share came through those books yeah it's it's a shame uh well that was that was the news such as it was um we are not doing an idw book we did that last time it was called the kill lock it was really good it was <laughs> they did complain about their uh their, their physical production their, yes their physical <laughs> production this i don't know what the physical production of this trade is because the physical trade is not out until um the 5th of october according mm. to amazon other book publishers or book stockists are available, but that was the easiest one for me to go to. But it exists digitally. The trade is out um, in digital format already. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an Aftershock book, and it is Scout's Honor. And those of you who have read the website or listened to this podcast will know that I did an interview with the writer on Scout's Honor some while ago, many months ago. Um and I have redone various reviews and shoved them on the website because it's a book that I really, really like. Um, we first did it in January. We did issue one in the January roundup. We did. And now we're revisiting it in trade and seeing if that early promise has turned into something. Yeah, I remember us all being pretty positive. Yeah. Um, in that first first read through that we had. I can't remember where it was on everyone's lists and I didn't have time to go back and listen to the podcast to find out, but I'm pretty sure it was either number one or number two for most people. So, yeah. And I think to be honest, you have to move from one thing to the next so quickly. I can't even remember what it it was up against. No, nor can I. I just remember remember that. I could probably tell you where I put it, but (laughs) I'll have to go back now and and listen. Oh yeah. It was that book. Um, The creative team behind Scout's Honour. So the writer is David Papose. As anyone knows, I'm a big fan of all of his work. Um, We've covered him several times on this podcast and in a previous podcast live. Um, So he is the writer. The artist is Luca Casalanguida. The colorist is Matt Miller. Uh, The letterer is Carlos M. Manguel. Um, There are various other people listed, uh, people who did the covers, Andy Clark with Jose Villarubia and variant covers by Brent Schoonover with Kurt Michael Russell and Manhouse. Um, Charles Pritchett designed the logo and uh, the back matter designer. I'm just going to name these people. Corey Breen was the book designer and Christina Harrington was the editor. So well done, Aftershock, for actually crediting all those people. Absolutely. You ticked everyone off the list. On your front. So as is tradition, as in we did this last time, so I'll do it again. We'll just read (laughs) the blurb off the back. Oh, hit it. Yeah. So 
Years after a nuclear apocalypse, a new society has arisen from the ashes and their Bible is an old ranger scout manual. A young ranger scout named Kit has endured the harsh survivalist upbringing needed to conquer the irradiated Colorado Badlands. But after discovering a terrible secret once lost to history, Kit must risk everything on a dangerous quest to uncover the truth behind the ranger scout's doctrine. Actually, a pretty good blurb. It's not bad. That was the comicsology blurb. Yeah, that kind of gives you what you need to know. I'm sure I would have said this at the time, but the basic premise of this book is right up my street. That kind of idea of a society built on a random book. I mean, not an entirely random book, but like <laughs> essentially a scout manual. The yeah. entire way of life is built around following the end of us like the end of society it just i can't quite put it into words but that it, it it ticks my boxes as a as a starting point you've already got me there yeah it's it seems the most like I say, it's, it's quite a random book to base what is essentially a society and a religion on and i don't know if i would have picked that as a as a thing but it, it it works because sort of these these groups of you know I don't want to say that scouts and guides and brownies and that sort of thing are cultish but something that did come up this week on Twitter that I noticed was someone was questioning the way that you're inducted into the brownies which involves you know being spun round and promising and looking in a mirror and swearing on a toadstool so I can kind of get that there are cultish elements to these traditional wow that is true. a all absolutely true as well that that is a, um, that's a divergent in life experience because for balance i was a, a beaver a cub and a scout i went through all three tiers in my youth and certainly in the in the in the scouts there is there is a lot of both religious and royal i don't know like you say doctrine i suppose yeah. and you, you know you you salute there was a picture of the queen in the, in the scout hut and you yeah. I think you swear you make a, a promise to God and the Queen. It's been a while now, I forget. But um, nowhere was the sort of Germanic fantasy <laughs> tale that <laughs> apparently the brownies have to go through. No, I can, I can recite the brownie guy promise as well, which is slightly worrying. But it goes, and it is quite cultish. I promise that I will do my best to do my duty to God, to serve the Queen and to help other people and to keep the Brownie Guide law. I think the Scouts one was probably fairly similar, but yeah, I've forgotten a lot yeah. of it now. I well, was yeah. there for the, uh, for the pen knife, to be honest. <laughs> See, we didn't get that in Brownies. It was sewing. You got, you got a needle. <laughs> you got a needle in Brownies. The Scouts are going camping. You girls, you're darning socks tonight. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's oh, how it was. Probably, oh. well, hopefully not anymore, but I don't know. I'm not involved in those circles. No, nor am I. <laughs> Outside anymore. of comics. I was going to mention, as you say, what it was a bit of a random idea to base it on. But I read this at a similar time that I read Black Badge. And I think there was at least oh, one yeah. other comic. And I just thought, like, there's an awful lot of Scout comics out at the moment. It didn't kind of pick up into anything. But I think kind of like two or three definitely sort of set, settled in at a similar time. But yeah, it does certainly, the idea of Scouts as a cult, I feel, is not that far removed from reality to a certain extent. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's something different with, uh, I'm sure American kind of, well, they call themselves Ranger Scouts, Ranger don't they? Scouts. 
is probably another thing again yeah. above our timid British version. <laughs> yeah, where you go camping in Wales in the rain. Yeah, it's a bit rather more, than fighting more bears. Yeah, because <laughs> they do. I mean, that's what that's what I like about the very start of this book is, and um, there's going to be spoilers. So if you've not read it, stop now, go and read it, and then come and listen to the podcast. But I like the fact that from the the start, it's it's you get a bit of you know you get a page of what an apocalyptic wasteland looks like but then you've got these three ranger scouts in the woods basically tracking an animal which i imagine is what ranger scouts in america they you know like you say they track bears and stuff and then one of them ends up getting killed yeah pretty immediately the stakes are really high from the start it's like these are not your average scouts these are not you know normal things that scouts are doing no they're you know, they're being attacked by basically mutant boars in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> but it is, it's like it's scouting as a as a religion and as a way of life, isn't it? Like everything is, everything is about the scout code. Yeah, I mean, you even have like, again, this is just even the first issue, is you have the statue of um, the founder, Dr. Jefferson Hancock, mm-hmm. stood holding up the scouting laws like Moses holding up the Ten Commandments. I mean, you can't get more on the nose than that. That is a really obvious parallel in the art. It's just like, yep, here is here's a guy who's founded a religion. Quite, yeah. <laughs> so I've got all of the iconography. Yeah. So the story that we actually follow then is Kit. Um, and I think, as you've mentioned, it's worth perhaps saying again, but it is a trade review. We are going to be yeah. talking about stuff, what happens. So if you don't want it spoiled, come back later. Yeah. You're welcome. Because particularly with Kit, there is, discussing Kit's character, there is an important twist, shall we say. Um, yeah. Which we're so, not going to avoid. We're not going to avoid touching on. So. No. But when we meet Kit, it's made clear to us that Kit is the kind of best young scout around yeah um and that kit's best friend des yeah is kind of the second best around but is pretty jealous about the fact that he's not number one and that's kind of compounded by the fact that his dad is the scoutmaster scoutmaster shepherd yeah so his failure is uh is looked upon extra harshly i think by dear old dad yeah, Dad expects Des to be the best, and Des is trying his hardest. I mean, he's not a bad, you know, he's not a bad scout. Like I say, he's like the second best scout in the whole group. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kit's just a little bit better, and I do like sort of you've got this friendship between Kit and Des because Kit doesn't realizes that you know there are issues between des and his dad and doesn't want to get involved and doesn't want to be the one but the reason why scoutmaster shepherd's you know like talking down to des but at the same time kit wants to be the best it's it's really i really like their sort of friendship because on the one hand des really likes kit as a friend um and they're very close but on the other hand they're also bitter rivals and Mm -hmm. it's a it's it's they flip flop between the two sometimes, and it's. I really like that relationship. I think it's it's interesting, and Scoutmaster Shepherd sort of 
is milking the tension between them for all it's worth is like pitting them against each other almost and it's yeah it's almost like deliberately talking up kit to just you know really annoy des and like yeah why can't you be more like like the worst sort of parent who's always like why can't you be more like so and so and he's like yeah. why can't you be more like kit and it oh yeah he's not nice scoutmaster <laughs> yeah no i agree i think it adds in loads of tension like that because uh, as you say the relationship's a pretty good one kit and des but there are times when the circumstances and their individual sort of aims are at loggerheads and uh yeah, they don't always get on. It's worth noting as well that the society set up by uh, Hancock, or at least the doctrine in which they live under, is a extremely patriarchal one. Yes, only, um, and this comes into play with Git, only boys can be ranger scouts. And really can hold any form of authority yes. in the society from top to bottom. Yeah, the women are basically there to be looked after essentially i think we see that i can't remember which bit of the issue or trade it is but i think there is one point where they're just like oh go back indoors to the woman i can't even remember i'm sure that did happen yeah, um i remember but, it also but not, not yeah. specifically where <laughs> yeah there we go i found it it is in issue one again but yes it's um it's like Kit sees a woman being dragged down a, and bearing in mind she's dressed very modestly, she's got her head covered, she looks a bit like, you know, a pilgrim from the oldie times, and she's been dragged down this dark alley with, by a man with a knife, and then Kit sort of punches the guy in the face, and she's just like, oh, thank you, sir, is there anything I can offer you in return? You know, like, that's how women live, is to, you know be at the mercy of of men indeed so the big twist comes for kit then yep when at the end of issue one we discover that the best ranger scout around is in fact a young woman yes who is obviously hiding her gender from everybody else yep uh in this yeah in this mad <laughs> super male testosterone driven uber competitive society and and is doing is holding her own in fact is the best yeah like you said the best ranger scout and it's a that that there's a full page reveal of kit wearing bindings um and but at the same time it's like yes but also you know she's quite muscly she's not ripped yeah exactly you know she's not she's been pumping iron um she's clearly a very fit and healthy individual but then yeah you just see the binding you're like oh and i did talk to david propose like is kit transgender and the answer is not necessarily sure (laughs) um it was I'm, i'm trying to think back um but i believe it was more that she feels like her identity is being a ranger scout and if to be a ranger scout she has to pass as male then that is what she'll do so that's where the identity thing so we're okay to refer to kit as she if needs be is what i I gathered from that conversation i mean that seems fair and i think that is kind of explained throughout the book like despite everything that happens and the discoveries that are made etc kit is always a ranger scout first yeah 
Yeah, and what I like is going back to the idea of them as a religious cult, which is true, is that Kit basically becomes, and she has this whole almost religious revelation, almost like Paul on the road to Damascus kind of level. <laughs> um, and it's like that, you know, she's a true believer. Like, it, it's not that Dr. Hancock had ridiculous ideas. It's that those ideas were used incorrectly. And she is the true disciple, the true believer. And she's going to bring back the real religion almost, as opposed to what the Ranger Scout religion has become. She's, you know, she's a true believer and she's going to take it back to how it should be not the way it is now, which is very resonant for our times, I feel. Yeah, and some of that. But we also find that the Ranger Scouts kind of exist for a different purpose or did exist for a different purpose in a way to try and, like, reform uh, delinquent youths, to use uh, an old term, um, (laughs) to try and, yeah, sort of reform young offenders who had exhibited like violent tendencies and uh, specifically male young offenders and try and teach them kind of practical survival skills a la the scouts and as if to almost form a like militarized division of (laughs) of uh, wayward youths um and of course it all goes belly up doesn't it (laughs) and they, they they turn on their masters and I'm not sure at what point nuclear devastation happens. Yeah, it's it's unclear. I mean, we get all of this background, I think, comes, or the, the, some of the truth about it, comes from Kit stumbling across um, the robot disc thing, <laughs> however you want to define it, um, called Weblow, who plays the recording of basically Dr. Hancock being killed by the, as you say, the delinquents whom he was trying to reform. But it's unclear when that happened with regards to the apocalypse. But having said that, it's like you see a flashback to Kit's childhood when, I don't know how old she is, maybe 10, something like that, Mm -hmm. um, when her, you know, after the death of her mother, and it looks like you you know, it's sort of a caravan of almost refugees who were attacked on the road by the highwaymen um, and they were rescued by the ranger scouts. But we don't, again, know when that took place either. It's it's interesting. I don't necessarily need to know, but it is interesting, like, how far into things did all this occur? Yeah, like, we, we get the impression that the world has been this way quite for quite a long time for these people because they sometimes refer to things in the old world and don't understand what they were for. So at least the kind of main set of characters don't remember the world yeah. prior. But I just wonder with the with the Ranger Scouts kind of taking over their masters, did that coincide with the, ah, the nuclear I have, threat? I have just flicked back. I have just flicked back to issue issue one and basically uh there we go so the ranger scouts emerge from their underground bunker 260 years before the events of scouts honor when kit and des and 
Eddie, RIP, are in the woods. It's It says 260 years later, and then it's a panel of them. Um, gotcha. Right. That sounds, that makes sense. And then, and interestingly, um, before that, there's a bit like um, 9,562 days since the bombs fell. So that's quite a lot of years. Um, so it's so many years before that that the bombs fall and then the ranger scouts come out of the bunker and that's when it all kicks off. Kicks off. And then 260 years later, this is what they have built. I mean, it's some kind of society anyway. It's quite, it's almost, see the thing is, is maybe, is it, I wouldn't necessarily say Mad Max, Mad Max-esque. But it's got that certainly got that vibe, but it's not got that same kind of idea of uh, like a barter system or anything like that. It, mm. it feels like they've kind of got a farming system going on. You know, they have a way of life and it sort of functions despite it being uber violent and competitive and hierarchical. It, you know, they kind of excuse it by being that it, it is survival. And yeah. it, it is like <laughs> that's all it is. It's probably not a fun place to live by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, because you've got in in opposition to the Ranger Scouts as well. You have the highwaymen who seem to exist outside of the walled town um, with hockey masks and guns and big knives and the like, and they sort of attack people who venture beyond the walled city that the ranger scouts have created seems to suggest yeah you don't totally get to see too much of the outside world in a sort of functioning sense so i i wondered throughout this book like how much of what the highwaymen do is just propaganda and of course you do find out later on like there is a an actual <laughs> like a uh, devious connection between the scouts and the and the highwaymen um but when you actually finally meet the highwaymen like they seem to be doing similarly well to the scouts in their own way yes um and they're definitely portrayed as being kind of violent and aggressive but like so are the scouts <laughs> you know they, yeah. they tend to kill everything they meet <laughs> that isn't another yeah. scout so you know I, I wonder if it's kind of six or one half a dozen of the other when it comes to the highwaymen and they're perhaps just yeah. as just as scared of the scouts as the uh yeah. as the scouts play them up as the big boogeymen they're sort of two sides of the same coin perhaps every, yeah. every religion needs a devil i think in that and some of the other things we've mentioned is where my kind of slight criticism i think overall for the book is and it's not one that kind of takes away too much but i think i would have liked it if it was a bit longer and it went into some of these things a bit more kind of the fact that kit is female sort of ceases to matter after a little bit it kind of comes back with the the bit with des and the fact that des is okay spoilers des is not straight <laughs> des is attracted to kit the male yes but then i would argue that kit could have been a male and that that story beat still works the fact that kit isn't it doesn't mean they kind of get together at the end and des suddenly turns straight <laughs> like no I'm their relationship is, for that. no definitely that is that's not something i would ever prescribe but i mean it it doesn't it doesn't resolve in any other way and i think 
how her femininity or how her being female works against the society i don't think always goes into in, in enough detail and what it means for the society for a woman to uh, have sort of infiltrated the scouts and have become the the number one it, it suggests a lot of things and i just don't always think it goes into a lot of detail i appreciate the fact that when you're making comics you don't know how long you're gonna get and maybe planning for 12 plus issues is a risky game and for the story it's telling i'm at I'm, I'm very happy with the arc it goes through and the characters go through but it it seems like a really interesting world and i kind of wish there was just more detail about how the things fit together as we say with the highwaymen some things are suggested about who they are and how they live but you never really see much in depth about other parts of the world and how they are maybe coping or not coping with the same situation yeah yeah i think it it's very much sort of kit's story and the focus is so heavily on kit that mm-hmm. the other stuff doesn't get fleshed out to the same extent i mean interestingly sort of at the end um that i've just realized sort of something to do with kit being female is that the, the there's a child who comes up and sort of says you know how are we gonna do this how you know how are you gonna rebuild the world basically <laughs> comes from a child and it's interesting that that child is a girl um and it's it's sort of and kit sort of picks her up and is holding her and sort of explaining stuff to her and yeah it, it's the only time that you sort of it sort of seems to it's almost like this little girl can grow up now in a world where girls can be ranger scouts perhaps who's to yeah, say i think the message is is there and i think the purpose yeah. is is clear and, and very well meaning but i'm just not sure it's followed through on enough and i think that's as you've said and rightly so like this is kit's story really it's not a big blown out yeah you know, societal kind of tale it just happens to be set in a very interesting backdrop and i guess what i'm saying is as i wish there were more of it more of it which <laughs> isn't mm-hmm. isn't the worst criticism in the world no but you know there are things like as you say webelo the i don't know like jellyfish like yeah it's like a disc, disc yeah. with tentacles that floats yeah. about suggests the society that preceded this one but we never really see any more of that we don't kind of touch on too much more of that we see a couple of like different mutated animals throughout you mentioned the boar and yeah. later on kit gets a companion tenderfoot a, uh, a yeah. ginormous spider that she rides around which is super rad but again maybe a bit of, it'd be quite interesting to see how the society kind of lives in conjunction with these ginormous animals like can you eat a radiated boar is that a food source or is that a they, they do they have it tied up and cooked at um the feast that also doubles as eddie's funeral and is there like i'd like to see you know are there any problems with that do they, <laughs> they all there's all no panels of them radiated? yeah there's nothing there's nothing of them throwing up afterwards but who's to say <laughs> um but it even has like the classic apple in its mouth as well i mean it's excellent the, but it, it's like I say, it's a it's a very minor complaint to have, really. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I I find that. I mean, I don't sort of. I'm I'm fine with not. 
I would be nice to know more, um, mm-hmm. but I'm fine with what we have because what I find with David Propose's writing, which is why I like him, he's very much a character guy. Yeah, it's less about the world building, although the OZ there is kind of some world building there. Um, but that's building off a world that kind of already exists. I don't know. But what I really love about all his writing is the character work because I really, really like the character work in this with Kit and with Des, and they're the focus. And yeah, it's 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 a strength, I think that. But I totally get what you're saying about wanting to see more of the world because there are many, many questions. Um, such as how do spiders get that big? <laughs> well, while I don't want to sort of pigeon pigeonhole myself, I think in general I do quite like those broader, yeah, worldwide stories where it is about kind of um, you know top-down narratives of of, <laughs> of huge events yeah. and that sort of thing and how how worlds work. And but that's not to say I don't like purely character-driven things. And um, in that regard, I think it does it really, really well. One thing we haven't talked about at all is the art. I was about to say, we've not talked about the art. We should talk about that, Will. So go ahead. <laughs> I think it, it's that really excellent balance of like cartooning and realism. It's yeah. not it's not attempting to be photorealistic by any means, but people are proportioned realistically and the environment looks like real things. You know, I'm just looking at the moment of a like a workshop and it's got filing cabinets and things like that and you know it's it's not cartoony i think it shines really brightly and it's like it's action you know it's yeah. it's movement and it's momentum there are quite a lot of moments of like hand-to-hand fights or uh they have a kind of star wars-esque speeder bikes yes they yeah. go through the desert and what have I got here? I'm in the second issue at the moment. There's a bit where Kit like attacks some highwaymen who are torturing her dad. Yes. Uh, Glenn. And that like coloured in shadows and stuff as Kit uh, sneaking around and, you know, using kind of tricks to thin out their numbers. It just looks great. And I think it, it really carries a momentum. Yeah. There's loads of arrows as well, and just drawing yeah. like half blurred arrows is always a cool way to go. <laughs> yeah, the the action is is so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna also give a shout out to the spider fight as well, because just you know, Kit versus giant spider. Mm. Um, oh yeah, in the uh, in, like in the diner. Yeah, that's I really like that. That's really excellent. Um, and just the design of said giant spider and the giant spider that tenderfoot that she pretends and she befriends, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really like that. And there's that bit where she's riding along with the spider with almost like, you know, with the the dead spider, almost, you know, as a cloak. And, you know, and it's just this really menacing sort of look and no wonder the highwaymen were a little bit taken aback seeing that coming towards them um (laughs) my good lord um but yeah like i say it it feels like a real world without being overly realistic which seems a really bizarre way of putting it but that's how it feels i think a lot of comics kind of fit into that little that little niche don't they where it's realistic enough that you're 
it kind of fools your brain for a bit. Yeah. But, uh, not so realistic. Sometimes things look a bit uncanny when they're too there's too much realism involved in the art, particularly in faces and stuff, and they start to look a bit weird. Yeah. That's, um, that's the other interesting thing about the faces, is that once you actually, it's almost like the, there's points where once you actually know that Kit is hiding her gender, you start to notice sort of bits of the way that her face is drawn. Just really subtle bits that are like, oh yeah, I see it now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really good, like, androgynous look yeah you know where you you can i I could sort of buy that kit has passed off as male for you'd assume quite some time but yeah there's a there's a certain kind of broad femininity i guess to to kit's drawing but i think there is to des as well you know there are certain times with des where he he kind of looks a bit androgynous also yeah which really works because it's sort of like, oh yeah, sort of Kit and, and also Des. They they sort of you can see hmm. why you know you would buy them both as the bestest Ranger Scouts that ever did Ranger. Indeed, uh, I think the colouring, the palette is really really nice. I mean, you get quite a few different. You get like day day and night cycles and lots of explosions. Like it's a real range. Uh, bright green lightning <laughs> the gr- I, lo- I was going to say the green lightning is probably my favourite I really Against love acid that acid rain like yeah. I think it uh, just a range of colours and how they're often used for similarly to something like the onomatopoeia you know they're kind of used for effect that an explosion will be in sort of bright blue or <laughs> yeah something like that it, uh, yeah. it's a really really nice book just to just to simply look at i mean not always nice you know the giant spiders are gross but (laughs) yeah people get killed but you know you know there's the odd bit of blood i have to say special shout out to the flaming sword toward the end as well yeah always love a flaming sword that's a really nice flaming sword that is again because of my sort of slight uh law nerdism I want to know more about them. I want to know all the different ranges. Like they're obviously different swords that do different things. Yeah. I want. Uh, I want like an encyclopedic entry on <laughs> the different. <laughs> you do get a little bit of it. You do get it um, in some of the little info bits. I think. They, yeah. They they do give you a little bit about the different kind of swords that they have, but yeah, I wanted more of that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, there is there is some really nice imagery. But yes, more more swords all the time, please. Yeah, I think it, I mean it. Obviously, can't be helped because of what it is. But obviously, the kind of the location never changes. You know, it, it the background is always yeah. kind of the background of crumpled down buildings. Yeah. Again, I think that's maybe where the colouring gets at its best is doing those kind of day nights and a bit more expressive colouring that might not necessarily be realistic. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's hard to criticise it for that, really. I mean, I'm just looking at the bit where sort of Kit and Des are going, you know, out into the world and it suddenly goes into purples and pinks and that's when the kiss happens. And I just Mm -hmm. think, that's that's clever. Like that. Absolutely. That sets a a tone, doesn't it? Yeah. In fact, you get it earlier on... uh, Issue five is a flashback where they are, I think, training or something in the Badlands. 
and they sit together and look at stars in the desert. And then oh, Des I love puts, that bit, yeah. And again, it's all in kind of purple. Purple. You know, it yeah. feels like there's some suggestiveness there. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I like that. Yeah, that's probably my favourite bit, I think, is the bit where they're just there underneath the stars and it's just like the two of them. And, you know, I as flashbacks go, it's really, really nice. But, yeah. That I really that whole that whole page of just the two of them under the stars and you really get the bond between them is probably one of my favourite bits aside mm. from the spider fight. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the like? Do you feel it it stuck its landing? Yeah. It, en- it ended well within its five issues. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it doesn't go any further. Like yeah. you have you have a resolution and you have this it's a hopeful ending, you know, they're build you know, they're basically pulling a tree up and it might fail. The society might break down again. We don't know. But I like that it ends on such a hopeful note because yeah, it, it just feels like it it could have gone either way. It feels like it could have gone horrifically wrong (laughs) yeah yeah could have taken that path it could have gone but yeah i like that it's it's a hopeful ending and it's like i don't i don't need to see what happens next i'm content with that you know in another generation that little girl that kit's talking to could have grown up to be a terrible dictator and burned it all to the ground i don't know (laughs) but i like that it ends where it does and i don't need to see more than that I completely agree. I think um, hopeful is the is the word I would have picked as well. Like I think it finishes with that sense of hope, but without being silly. Like it doesn't flash forward a hundred years and it's a utopic paradise. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't try to yeah. sort of say and then all of their problems were solved. <laughs> it was so. I think it's a good place. You know, they've they've upturned the clearly rotten society. And they sort of talk about, they're not talking about that it's done. They're talking about it's like building it. This is a, this is a start again. And it's, you get the impression that there's going to be conscious of the mistakes they've made. But as you say, like, you know, it could all fall apart again. And that openness, I think, gives it a, it makes the characters feel a bit more real that their lives just go on now. Yeah. Uh, Rather than, you know, having this sort of finite end where they can hold hands and just, Sing, you know, sing, sing Kumbaya around the camp. I was going to say, would they know Kumbaya? It would have been replaced with scout songs. Yes, yeah, some sort of ranger scout. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it is a, I think it's a good ending. I think I said earlier, it's paced really well. I think over five issues, and despite wanting more, I think the story that it was aiming to tell, like the central tale of 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 kit and des really yeah um i think it tells pretty pretty well yeah it 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 almost feels like this is a story that you know years from now in the hopeful future that hasn't burned and crashed this is the you know we will tell the story of kit and des our founding fathers and this was their story and it's almost like this could become its own mythology Absolutely. In fact, that would be quite cool. Like another story, a hundred years in the future of the society that's built on this one where they all praise Kit. 
they've all got kit's message wrong now it's a crazy matriarchy and <laughs> and it just flips back and forth <laughs> then there's the book of des and they don't like the, yeah. <laughs> the kit followers oh you never know you never well, know you'd be a good friends with uh dave pepos now so i get him on the line him twice next time i interview him because i'm sure there will be i will ask him about <laughs> do Kit and Des found their own sort of cults? <laughs> no, um, but yeah, no. Like you said, I think it, it is really well paced. Um, it never outstays its welcome, mm-hmm. and each issue as well. Because I read this, of course, in singles back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, yeah, and I think even as not all books work in singles some of them that we have reviewed many times we've said this will work better in trade scouts honor is not one of those i feel i think scouts honor worked issue by issue to move the story along but also tell a little arc within that issue Mm -hmm. and it it read really well in singles just on its own which i think is the sign of a well-paced book if you can read it in singles and feel that the pacing in each issue is good and then the pacing in the trades good. So good pacing in conclusion. I I would generally agree like singles. I don't, it's not my preferred reading method. Sure. I've said that a thousand times. (laughs) (laughs) We just need to record you saying that. And then we'll just play it it with like a little emergency button. So we know that. Um, but I think you're right, actually. I think each issue does have a, a, a satisfying arc within its sort of 20-odd pages. If I was recommending it to somebody now, I'd still say, just get the trade. Like, the, oh, it is yeah. a it's yeah. a complete story that you can sit down and read from cover to cover. You don't have to know anything before. You don't have to know anything after. You don't have to be involved in a multi-film TV animation franchise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can sit down. It'll probably take you about an hour have a read it's like watching a film and then that's it yeah. pop it on your shelf take it out again in a year's time and read it again yeah and reread it again and again yeah. <laughs> um because we are bigger than capes we are contractually obligated or at least i am to mention lettering indeed it's good <laughs> it's it's really good again i think we mentioned it with um kill lock is like different people having sort of slightly different speech bubbles and Weblo gets his own kind of little digital yeah. robot speech bubble. I'm glad that the the text is still different than everyone else's. It doesn't have the same no. um, handwritten sort of feel, I guess, that the others. And also it's in lowercase, I've just noticed, when everything else it is in is. uppercase. Yeah. But also it's not that really annoying, like, digital extremely yeah. sharp you know sort of edged yeah. uh, lettering so because I, I think yeah because that would i think draw you out a little bit if it was too i think definitely it would i think it would well i just normally because i just find it really irritating but actually because weblo doesn't have a face or a mouth yeah i think it's it's important to know when it's weblo talking King, yeah um because otherwise, yeah, it could be it could be easily misconstrued. Um, but I think, in particular, I think the onomatopoeia is excellent. I really, yeah. I really love good onomatopoeia. Uh, I've got a bit here in the last issue where 
Des is on one of the like speeder bikes chasing Kit, who is on uh, Tenderfoot the spider, like up a wall. He's driving up a yeah. wall. And, and as he's firing the machine gun, the, like, the rat-a-tata sound like, runs across the floor. And, yeah. you know, sort of showing the path of the bullets. And there are other really, really great examples. On the very next page, the vroom of his motorbike is blended yeah. into the smoke. And, yeah, those bits, yeah. I think, I, I really, really enjoy good on a matter pier it, it is one of those things that is only comic appropriate yeah you know, it's something that only comics can do and when it's done well i always get a kick out of that yeah i also like sort of the bits going all the way back to issue one where we have the feast slash funeral and you sort of have the bit where scoutmaster shepherds is like yay for kit and then in the background they're all going hail brother kit mm-hmm. and it's just really that's really nice and sort of the bit where ranger scouts remember hancock's first law and then always be prepared is sort of there and it's just <laughs> i like that i I think it's it's I a agree. really good way of sort of showing the almost cultish responses that the ranger scouts do it's good but yeah, and I think we mentioned it last week as well, but it, they are very well-placed speech bubbles. Um, yeah. Perhaps good planning has gone in, but they just, they don't cover any important bits of the art. You know, they, they find neat little bits to go in that are never obtrusive. A little thing, but again, something I'm starting to appreciate more as you read when you get some bad versions and you think, oh, I can't see what this is because it's got words on it. And the only word in it is bam. Yeah. Biff. <laughs> you, didn't to, you didn't need to cover up that picture for the word Biff. No. No, it is it all all levels of this creative team and we have named them. Um they're all working really well and it does feel like it's a it's a proper collaboration. It's not just someone wrote it and then someone came along and did the art and then someone came along and did the colours and then someone came along and did the lettering. It feels like you know, there was collaboration between all aspects of it, and it it shows in the finished product. Definitely, no, it feels well planned, and I think, as you say, collaborative feels like the that's the peak word. That's word of the day. <laughs> Although we have kind of, I guess, joked about it. Would you welcome more of this? I wouldn't. Maybe. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. On the one hand, because I think it's so good and it works so well just as it is, mm-hmm. it's like I don't want more to spoil it. Oh, I'm a good I'm, thing. Yeah, because that, that happens a lot with all kinds of media. It happens with television series. It happens with films. It happens with books. That, you know, the unexpected sequel, which to me, Anything that isn't planned to sort of have sequels generally doesn't work. There are exceptions, but generally doesn't work. So, yeah, I don't think I need to see any more of Scouts Honor. But if David Propose wants to revisit this universe, I'm not going to say no, because I will literally read anything that man writes. So I wasn't going to ask you whether you were going to read any more from the creators, because I know the answer is, <laughs> is, is a hard yes. So. <laughs> yeah, I've I've read everything he's done. Um, I will continue to read everything he's done. So, yeah, I would be interested to sort of, because I wasn't that familiar with Luca Casalanguida. Mm-hmm. 
um, who is Spanish, I believe. I would be interested to see more of his art because I think that is something I would I would actually look out more of that art. Yeah, it's got art that's got a lot of range as well. Like, I, you know, I can't, I have sort of said it's all set broadly in one place. We do sometimes get some kind of interiors which are a bit more technologically based. Like I could see his work applying well to sort of science fiction um, or even to kind of like fantasy or something like that. If you can see the kind of open desert plains and riding spiders around. (laughs) I think in terms of the comic world and what tends to be popular, I think, uh, yeah, I think he could do a lot of a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, because I'm I'm looking at his his back catalogue now. Um, a lot of James Bond on there. A lot of James Bond. I'm not a massive fan of James Bond comics. Um, so who knows? Maybe I will check that out purely on his art. Maybe he'll get me to read some James Bond stuff. Who's to say? Maybe so. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that like you don't have to like everything. No. <laughs> you don't have to like everything to be a yeah. fan. Um, but yeah, so I would- think... Sorry, go on. Would you read more by David Propose? Well, my answer is pretty much the same as yours. Um, I don't think the story itself needs any more uh, to be said, but I am fascinated with how the world works. And uh, if there were a sequel to be made, I think I would want it either set in a different part of the world with a different group of people and how they have survived maybe you know more about the highwaymen and how they have come together as a society and how did they just survive the the big beasts and the radiation and everything or it would be that idea of setting it somewhat in the future and you know sort of seeing how these events have affected society going forwards would also be an interesting idea but a direct sequel I don't think is yeah. necessary. And I think you're right. I think it, you don't need to ruin a good thing there. No. Have you read any of the OZ? I have not. No. I think it is it advertised at the end of one of the issues. It's yeah. You, you should try the OZ. It was kickstarted. Issue two has been kickstarted. Issue one is out there. You can get it through backer kit and all the like. But yes, I think, I think if you like Scouts Honor, you would like the OZ. I think I will, but again, if we if we're kickstarting single issues, I will kick that start that trade. Call me in a year. <laughs> Call me in a year. We'll note that down. We'll we'll pledge when it's yeah. complete. I mean, uh, I've put it out there. Like, if any any comics creators listening, I will just go straight for trade. So uh, call me, call me when it's in trade, <laughs> and I'll be there. Set, set up a notification and Will will come and back your project. Indeed. That's good. Have we anything further to say on this most excellent comic, Scouts Honour? Well, as the trade is coming out, it would be a high recommendation, I think, from both of us. I think that's fair yep. to say. Uh, so do go out there and pick up a copy. Um, you're right, it does still work in singles. So if it is that, that is your chosen method, it's yep. still, a good, still a good way to go. I'm not sure I have much more to add. I mean, it's it's really great. I'm glad that it is self-contained and is a nice singular story. I'm more and more into that quite short read. Yep. And I will definitely check out more David Papos' work. Yes, do. And we'll keep, keep my eye on on the on all the creators involved and yeah, 
yeah, it, really good. And I think, you know, this is another one like the Kill Lock that I think you championed early. Yeah, I did, yeah. And once again, you've nailed it. Your your hit ratio is... I'm two is for two so far. Excellent at the moment. So, yeah. So it, well done. <laughs> thank you. It, it's definitely going to be one of my books of the year, which is a list which fortunately is very, very long at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely up there, um, considering that the first issue came out in January. It is very much one of my books of 2021. So, yes. So, thank you for discussing this marvellous book with me, Will. It's thank appreciated. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've come over your house for tea. Good, yeah. Uh, we're still over Skype because, you know, time and pandemic. Um, time and diseases. Yes. So, um, I've been Angela. I was joined by Will. Bye. And we've been with <laughs> Bye. And we have been half of bigger than capes, but you know, I like to think a quality half. Um the capes so, half. No, the, the bigger the bigger half. Oh, we, bigger. We're the bigger half. Yeah. yeah. The, the capes half were absent. Um so join us again for something else. I will probably try and foist another book upon these good folk. Um Look I've got plans. Yeah. Certainly in the next couple of months there are plans. So, yes, thank you very much. And remember that comics are bigger, bigger than, than capes. capes. Yeah, that was all over the place. Work. Bigger than capes. Bye. Bye.